When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is going on, everybody? We have another UFC slate coming up tomorrow. This weekend, we've got Jarzinho Rosenstrike taking on Shamil Ghazi. I'm about to break down all of it that you need to know to help yourself win some money on DraftKings this week. If you could do me a favor as you're watching this video, like the video. Subscribe to the YouTube channel if you like the content. And then also, if you want to sign up for the MMA tools that we have here at Stochastics.com, which includes our contest generators, so you can build your lineups on our site the simulation tools so you can simulate those lineups on the site. Sign up using the link we have below, and it has really been crushing this year. I won the $3 again last week. Uh, it was a split with a handful of people that ended up winning, and while I do typically try to make lineups as unique as I can, every once in a while, you're going to end up winning a tournament where you do split with a bunch of people in MMA. But what was really cool about last week is of the people that split to win in the $3 with me, like 20 of them or so, were people right within the Stochastic MMA DFS Discord. So all people that are using the same Sims tools together. And while we are making some alterations as we see fit, a lot of us arrive to the same conclusion, which is also a part of us talking about the fights and, you know, hanging out together in the Discord and breaking stuff down. So uh, that was something that was really cool last week was to have a bunch of us all win together in the Discord channel. And hopefully it's going to happen again this week. And if you want to get in on it with us, just sign up using that link we have below. But let's go ahead and start breaking down this slate and one thing that I want to show you guys before we get into it, and I know a lot of you that watch this are already pretty hip to MMA DFS and know a lot of the ins and outs of it, but this is a super unique slate because we have so many big favorites, and the pricing is super odd on DraftKings as well. There's no real mid-range, so I've been doing this video in the middle of the week with Brady from DFS by the numbers, and we weren't able to record this week because there just wasn't all of the fights up yet in DraftKings, and as a result of that, there was there was no mid-range to talk about, so uh, we weren't able to do the video this week because it didn't go up until like Wednesday evening or like late Wednesday afternoon, something along those lines, that we got all the fighters priced in here, but here, I'm just going to break this down for you to show you guys what it is that I'm really talking about, where the main event, this is one of the tighter line contests, but still, Gaziev is nearly a minus 200 favorite, then we got Petrino, minus 350, and look all the way down, minus 350, minus 330, minus 1100, minus 450, minus 525, minus 900, minus 800, minus 365, and then we've got a couple of closer line fights to open up the card between uh, Vinicius Oliveira, and uh, and then also we've got the fight between uh, Radzabov and then Al-Sawabi, so anyway, with, with there just being so many massive favorites, I... I think we are going to have to consider this is a slate where we're going to have to play some underdogs who, even though we don't think they're super live to win, this is a slate where I think it's very, very highly probable that a losing fighter ends up being in the winning lineup. So I was building some of my lineups out in the Sims tool and in our contest generator before starting to make this video so I could have these graphics to show you guys on screen and show you where I'm at with my lineups as of a Friday afternoon when I'm recording this. And there's a part of me that was like, all right, well, I'm getting lineups with some like crappy punk guys like AJ Cunningham and Eamon Zahabi. I don't really give much of a chance of winning, but 
I realized that if I took these guys out of my lineups entirely, it was just giving me more exposure to other punt plays that I didn't really expect to win. So it's it's a really tricky slate, but I also think it's a pretty fun one from a strategy standpoint to try to figure out like, all right, maybe not necessarily who's just going to win fights outright, but in a loss, which punt plays could potentially score some fantasy points, maybe land on a winning lineup anyway. So things that I've been thinking about for this slate, but let's start breaking the fights down beginning. With the main event, we have Jarzino Rosenstrike taking on Shamil Gaziev. And we haven't really seen much of Gaziev. He's only fought a couple of times within the Octagon. Once was on the Contender Series, where he won in a couple of minutes. And then we saw him take on uh, Martin Boudet, and he destroyed Boudet in that fight. And one thing that was pretty nice to see is that, historically, Gaziev's cardio is absolute shit. He's been a guy who's like, hey, if he gets out of the first round, he just has nothing left for the rest of the fight. And it was pretty clear that he was slowing down in the second round, but he still enough left in the tank table to get Budai out of there. And he was super aggressive as well, which is why I'm going to be picking Gaziev to win. I think you could definitely argue that the line is a little bit wider than it should be. And for sure, Rosenstrike is live to win. I'm going to be overweight to both sides of this fight. But the reason that Gaziev is my preferred option here is just because of the output. In that fight we saw against Barton Budai, and by the way, Budai isn't an elite heavyweight, but he's not a pushover either. Like, he's a solid kind of like end-of-the-rankings UFC heavyweight fighter, but you really like to see from a heavyweight, 6.19 significant strikes landed by Gaziev, and that's a pace that Rosenstrike just cannot keep up with. He only lands 2.81 significant strikes per minute, and this is a heavyweight fight that I expect to finish within the first couple of rounds or so. And with that being the case, I'm going to favor the guy who's going to put more output out there because you are much more likely to land that knockout shot if you're throwing six punches to say the three punches of your opponent. So picking Gaziev to win, I'm interested to see where the ownership ends up coming. So at the time of recording this, we have Gaziev projected for right around 50% ownership. And that's more or less where I'm at on him. Rosenstrike, though, we only have a 34% ownership. So I'm a little bit overweight here to Rosenstrike. But that aside, you guys could see this is a fight I have in 90% of my lineups. There's definitely a little bit of, uh, of I'd say, nervousness from me where if this fight doesn't finish early, it's just going to be a terrible heavyweight fight where both guys just are gassed out after a couple of rounds which is definitely one of the live possibilities to happen. But here's why I really feel like we need to target this for DFS. Uh, first off, it is a fight that has a lot of finishing equity. And another part of this too is that it's a mid-range fight and there are just not mid-range fights to really target on this card considering how many big favorites there are. We've got you know a bunch of fighters. That's why the, the upper end of the pricing range, like Umar Magomedov is priced all the way at $9,700. It's because the pricing is based on what those betting odds are. And that's why the mid-range just hardly exists for this week that makes the main event one that we really want to target even if there is a little bit of risk that could turn into a really really shitty fight if there isn't an early finish but i think an early finish materializes i'm gonna pick gaziev to win but overweight to both sides at the time that i am recording this year uh vitor petrino taking on tyson pedro and uh, petrino is somebody who I think he's probably a little bit overrated by the public. And I actually thought Tyson Pedro was somebody who's a little bit overrated by the public as well. But now we've got Petrino nearly minus 350 favored in this matchup, which I think is uh, quite a bit too wide. Of all the underdogs that we have on this slate, Tyson Pedro to me is one of the more talented ones. The two underdogs that I look at, well, there's, there's, yeah, so the two underdogs I look at as being the most talented on the slate are Tyson Pedro and then also Alex Perez. So when it comes to Tyson Pedro, even though I'm picking Vitor Petrino to win, I do still find myself getting to where is my, here he is, Tyson Pedro. 
So getting myself to 20% exposure to Tyson Pedro right now, Vitor Petrino at 25%. So pretty even between the two, even though I'm picking Petrino to win. But one thing that does definitely make me want to be underweight to the field on Vitor Petrino is just this crazy high ownership. We currently have him projected for 41.5% ownership. And that's a mark where, sure, I'm getting Petrino into my lineups at 25%. Just that's a mark that's way too high for me. So I'll be underweight to him, assuming that's where his ownership projection sticks at by tomorrow. And then uh, Tyson Pedro, I currently have in 20% of my lineup. See, so as somebody who I view as a live underdog, particularly in the first round, because the biggest issue with Tyson Pedro is that he's a pretty good overall well-rounded fighter. He's got some power. He's able to wrestle. He's able to grapple. He's got decent striking defense. The problem with Pedro, though, he's got like five minutes of cardio. So the first round, it's going to be pretty competitive, in my opinion, between Pedro and between Petrino. But the problem then becomes if the fight gets extended past the first round, then Petrino wins this fight, I think, fairly easily in the second or third round. So I have to pick Petrino to win just because he has a massive cardio advantage and a lot of the other striking metrics are similar between them in terms of output. But the ability for Petrino to fight deeper into fights and the amount of cardio he has, it allows him to keep more of a pace in the wrestling department. He does land 4.15 takedowns per 15 minutes. And we've seen him utilize that a good amount in his recent fights. So uh, last fight, he did only land one takedown against Modeskis Bukaukas, although we also had a knockdown that fight. But four takedowns against Marcin Prachnow in a finish, seven takedowns against Anton Turkali. That was a fight that went to decision. But Petrino, his card looked pretty good in that fight. And that was something that just based on his build, he had to be skeptical of that with him coming into the UFC. But so far, he looks like he has pretty good cardio. So picking Petrino to win, I'm just going to be underweight to the massive ownership we have projected on him. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Alex Perez against Mohamed Mokayev. And I'm a really big fan of the upside of Mokayev, but this is a really big step up in competition. I don't really know that people are recognizing it for what it is because there's a really big striking advantage for Alex Perez. And he also has a pretty good wrestling background. And Mokayev, while he is a fighter that we've seen score a lot in some of his DraftKings fights because he lands 6.47 takedowns per 15 minutes, there is pretty strong takedown defense, 77% on the Perez side. And then on top of that, like I said, he's got a big striking advantage. So if he is able to keep this on the feet, I think he could win a decision potentially in this fight. Makayev's another high-priced fighter that's expected to be very popular. We have Makayev project for 42.8% ownership. And I'm going to pick him to win. I'm picking to win by decision. He maybe even gets a late submission because there is some skeptical grappling defense out of Alex Perez. We've seen him get submitted multiple times now. If you look at the losses for Perez, which have come in each of his last two fights, he was submitted by Devis and Figueredo when Figueredo was the champion. He was submitted by Alessandre Pantoja, and then Pantoja became the champion after that. So the only guys that Alex Perez is typically losing to as of late, it's championship caliber fighters. Even if you go back further in his career, yeah, he has a knockout loss on his record as well in the UFC, but it's to Joseph Benavidez, who is a who was always a title contender when he was still on the roster and he was younger. So uh, Alex Perez has only lost the elite of the elite fighters, which, by the way, Makayev may very well end up being. But I, I'm not exactly sure that he's there yet at this point. He's still very young. Makayev is only 23 years old. So 
I do think the line, once again, a little bit too wide in this fight. So I'm going to be picking Mikhaev to win. But uh, Perez is one of the live underdogs on this card that I like getting exposure to. I currently have him in... Perez here. Yeah, I've got Perez in 22% of my lineups, which is more exposure than I currently have to Makayev, who's only in the 16.7% of my lineups. And that's one of the ways that I do like to differentiate my lineups on the high end is getting away from some of the guys like Makayev and getting away guys uh, away from guys like Petrino. They're projected for 40 plus percent projected ownership because I think there are fighters with comparable upside that can be found for cheaper price tags at times or just for lower ownership. So Picking Mikhaev to win, but my preferred side of this for tournament purposes on DraftKings is going to be Alex Perez. Another fight here where we have an uber-expensive fighter. Umar Namagomedov is taking on a newcomer in a Bexat Almakan. And this is a very odd fight that got booked. I don't really totally understand it because if you guys remember, at the tail end of last year, Umar Namagomedov had a, book, had a fight booked against Corey Sanhagen. Namagomedov ends up hurting his shoulder. He's not able to fight. And now, all of a sudden, he goes from fighting Corey Sanhagen in what likely would have been a number one contender's fight to taking on a UFC newcomer who appears to be fairly talented with a well-rounded game, but, I mean, he just can't pick anybody to beat somebody like Umar Nurmagomedov in his UFC debut. I mean, this is why Nurmagomedov is like a minus 1,000 favorite in this spot. The only question I have with Nurmagomedov is just, how do we get up to the $9,700 price tag? And once again, a fighter who's very, very popular. We've got Nurmagomedov project for 32.3% ownership. And I just think that's a really difficult mark to get up to when he's $9,700. We have so many big favorites on the card that you probably need one or two underdogs to either win or at least put up comparable scores. And you still need Umar to outscore all of the other high-priced fighters, which I think is a fairly unlikely outcome. So... We haven't projected for the most fantasy points of any fighter on the entire slate, but still running everything through the Sims. I only got to 14% exposure here to Umar Nurmagomedov, projected for 32.3% ownership. And I do also get a little bit hesitant to project Umar to be a super high upside fighter because his last fight, he knocked out Howoni Barcelos, but he didn't land any takedowns in that fight. He had the knockdown and that's all well and good. But for the price point that we're getting from Umar, I mean, this is... Honestly, not even all that great of a score. Even though he put up 36 significant strikes, got a knockdown and a first-round finish over Howoni Barcelos in his first fight, that that likely wouldn't be enough output for him to land in an optimal lineup on this slate. And then you go and look at some of the other fights for Umar. He fought Nate Maness. He wins by decision. Fairly crappy DraftKings score. Lands three takedowns, 74 significant strikes. Same thing against Brian Keller. He gets a takedown that ends up winning the fight by submission. But still, same issue. One takedown, 18 significant strikes, first round finish. You know, you're you're looking at just a little bit over 100 fantasy points. It's really hard for somebody to land in an optimal lineup at a $9,700 price tag. So Umar is the easiest pick in the world to pick to win in this fight. But it's, it's going to be hard for me to get up to the 33% mark that the field is at. Like Umar in real life, I think he's a potential future champion. I'm just going to be underweight to him on this particular slate because of what his price tag is. Uh, Matt Schnell against Steve Ersig. This is a great fight to target because uh, Matt Schnell is actually a fighter that I think is good. I I think he's quite good. I think he's somebody who belongs ranked in the top 10 or so of the the bantamweight division. The problem, though, that you run into here with Matt Schnell is the guy's got no chin at all. He can't take a shot. We see him get hurt. We see him get knocked out all the time. Matt Schnell's nickname is Danger, but he's a bigger danger to himself than he is to his opponents in a lot of his fights because you go and look at what ends up happening. I mean, uh, Matus Nicolau ends up knocking him down twice before finishing him in that fight. 
against uh, Sumu Darji. Machinel did pull off an incredible comeback, but he got knocked down and was hurt very bad prior to getting the finish. Sumu Darji just kind of gassed out and finished. Uh, against Brandon Royval, Machinel landed a knockdown in that fight, but then kind of just got beaten up on the mat and ended up getting submitted, got out grappled by Brandon Royval in that fight. So it's something we've seen so many times with Matt Chanel also got knocked out by Alessandre Pantoja, which once again, you know, no shame in that, but it is still something on his resume. And these knockouts do end up adding up. He got knocked out by Hector Sandoval. I got knocked out by Rob Font a very long time ago. So it's just, you can only take this amount of knockouts and knockdowns in your career before you can't take a punch anymore. So on paper, skill for skill, I think this is a pretty competitive fight between Steve Urseg and Matt Schnell. The difference, though, is Urseg is just incredibly durable, and Matt Schnell is not. So with that being the case, I'm going to pick Steve Urseg to win. I'm going to pick him to win by finish. But Schnell is one of the live underdogs that I am going to be getting to on this card just because I do think that he is a talented, cheap fighter. A great fight to target. I do have Urseg right now. In 44.7% of my lineups, he's only projected for 29% exposure. And this is one of these pivots that I was talking about making before is instead of going to like the Vitor Petrinos who are 40 plus percent owned, instead of going to somebody like uh, Mohamed Makayev, who's projected for a bunch of ownership, I think there's comparable upshot in Steve Ursaig. I think he could get a first round finish. You're getting him at a much lower ownership. And then as for match now, I also have him in 24% of lineup. So I'm overweight to both sides of this fight, but. Uh, definitely my my preferred side is uh, Steve Ursag, who I think is far more likely to end up winning the fight. Uh, Eric Anders against Jamie Pickett. And this is one that I just overall don't have a ton of interest in. Eric Anders, every once in a while, you see a big DraftKings performance out of him, but he's really, really, really inconsistent. And Jamie Pickett himself is just terrible. So I can't really ever pick Jamie Pickett to win a fight. And this could be one that's just super low output because Eric Anders lands 3.56 significant strikes per minute. And then we've got 2.84 significant strikes land permitted on the Jamie Pickett side. Each of them land about a takedown and a half per 15 minutes. So uh, there isn't either one of them that has like a, a massive wrestling advantage over the other one, in my opinion. There's definitely an athleticism advantage on the Eric Anders side. He used to play college football at Alabama, and he brings a lot of that athleticism with him into the UFC. One thing that is also a little bit of a concern with me on the Eric Anders side, he's now 36 years old, turning 37 this year. So he's definitely getting up there in age, although at the same time, Jamie Pickett's no uh, spring chicken either because he's only a year younger than Eric Anders. So Anders, easy pick to win, pick him to win by decision. If I had to play one side of the fight, I do prefer the Pickett side a little bit just because of the fact that he's cheaper and Eric Anders isn't the best DraftKings scorer, even typically in his wins, but not really a high, a high priority fight for us to be targeting this weekend. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Moving on to the next fight we have here. And this is one of the ones that I am very heavy on for DraftKings purposes for two reasons. First off, massive finishing equity. The last I looked, this fight was minus 350 to finish inside the distance. And I'm going to check to see if that is still the case while I'm talking here. But then in addition to that, it's a fight that's also priced in the mid-range. And like we talked about before with the main event, there are just not very many fights to look at that are priced in the mid-range. And this fight 
is minus uh, 280 to finish inside the distance. And as long as it does finish inside the distance, considering where the prices are, yeah, I think that there's a very, very live chance that this fight, as long as it finishes, lands in the optimal lineup. And the betting odds suggest this fight should finish inside the distance far more often than than not. Uh, the biggest concern I have with Sopai, who is the slight underdog in this fight, he appears to be pretty talented. He's got super fast hands. You guys could look up some videos of his finishes outside of the UFC. He's got a really, really devastating power, really good boxing as well. But he's taking this fight on only about a week's notice. So that is something where you have to question how well prepared is he for the fight. Now, with that said, he didn't appear to have any issues making weight. Looked pretty good on the scale earlier today. So that is something that I think we should have on our mind when it comes to uh, Sopai is that he did make 135 pounds without too much of an issue, which is probably an indication that he's in pretty good shape heading into the fight. And uh, Oliveira, uh, also somebody who was already preparing for the fight with a big power coming off the contender series. So I think this is a close to a 50-50 fight. Uh, just because of the pricing, Sopai is one of my most rostered fighters on the entire card in 45% of my lineups. And then I've got Oliveira in 39%. But I'm well overweight to both sides of this fight. It is in, yeah, about 85% of my lineups. I'm going to be really heavy on both sides and just root for a finish in this spot. I'm going to be a little bit hotter on, on Sopai. Not because I'm necessarily picking him to win, but really just because he's a cheap fighter. And he has some of the best finishing equity of any underdog on the entire slate. So... I'm going to pick Oliveira to win, but uh, Sopai, I really like him for the price point and the fact that if he wins, it's likely going to be a knockout that's going to score quite well. Moving our way through the uh, rest of these fights, next one, Eamon Zahabi against uh, Javid Basharat. And Basharat's pretty hard for me to get behind because he does not have a whole bunch of finishing equity. So far, if you look at the fights we've seen from Basharat in the UFC, he had the decision win over Trevin Jones. He had the decision win over Tony Gravely. He had the decision win over Matush Mendonca uh, here. And they're fights that just didn't score all that well relative to some of the exorbitant price tags we've seen from Basharat. I think he's a very safe pick to win over Eamon Zahabi. I think he wins the fight by decision. I just question what the scoring upside of him is. Even though he's pretty decent output, lands two takedowns per 15 minutes. He does land 5.65 significant strikes per minute. But right now, this fight is, let's see, yeah, about minus 200, anywhere from minus 190 to minus 215 to go to the judges' scorecards. And just straight out, if this fight goes to the judges' scorecards, Basharat almost certainly didn't do enough to end up in the optimal line if you consider his price point and how many other high-priced fighters there are with a lot of finishing equity. So I'm not going to really be rostering this fight all that much. If I had to play a side, I do lean a little bit more towards Zahabi, once again, just because of what his price point is. But uh, Zahabi is just total crap for DraftKings scoring. He doesn't land takedowns. He only lands 3.04 significant strikes per minute. He doesn't have much power either. I know he won his last fight by KO over Orochi Lang, but that's not something we've seen from Zahabi all that often. He's he's done it twice so far in his career. He had another one over Draco Rodriguez. But it's not something we should expect, especially against a talented fighter like uh, Javed Basharat. So... It's, it's a fight where I am not going to be targeting it, and I'm just going to hope that not all that much happens. And uh, Zabi also has a way of really slowing down fights because of his low output. A lot of fighters end up fighting towards his pace. So I'm going to pick Basharat to win by decision. Not a great fight to target for DFS. I feel similarly about the next fight between Christian Leroy Duncan and Claudio Ribeiro, where on paper, the output isn't all that low. 5.06 significant strikes landed for Christian Leroy Duncan, 4.65 for Claudio Ribeiro. Both of them have power. The problem here is twofold. First off, Christian Leroy Duncan's projected for just an insane amount of ownership. 
got him projected for 38.5% ownership. That is a super high mark for me. And then also, if you see what Christian Leroy Duncan's done in some of his recent fights where he doesn't get early finishes, it's just not that much happens. So a lot of his significant strike numbers are a little bit inflated because he got a quick knockout on the Contender Series. And then last time out, I mean, 65 significant strikes and a win over Dennis Tululin. Okay, cool, but Tululin doesn't belong in the UFC. He's no wrestling or no grappling takedown. He's no takedown defense. He's no defensive grappling. It was still a fight where I thought Christian Leroy Duncan could have had wrestling grappling success. He just didn't go that route. He was more comfortable standing up on the feet. And sure, he was able to get the finish, but that was against a can in Dennis Tululin. And not that Claudio Ribeiro is great, but I do think he's better than Tululin. And then we saw Duncan take on Armin Petrosian in a fight that went the distance. He only landed 59 significant strikes and lost the decision just based on low output. So for this fight, both these guys have a lot of power. If it finishes in the first round, then sure, it's going to score reasonably well. But I just don't really believe in the output enough of either of these guys to pick either of them to win in the first round. And if it extends to the second round, Christian Leroy Duncan is dead. Of course, if Ribeiro, just based on his price point, if he lands a knockout at any point in time, which he is live to do, he has big power, he could land in an optimal lineup. But I mean, once again, just the output, you have to question it for Ribeiro. When he fought against Joseph Holmes, who's not a good fighter at all, just uh, another guy, Joseph Holmes, doesn't belong in the UFC. Joseph Holmes did nothing. He lands 16, 17 significant strikes in a round and a half. So Ribeiro ends up getting the knockout in that fight, but not all that much happened against Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. Ribeiro was very, very cautious because of the power of Al-Hassan. Only lands 19 significant strikes before getting finished in the second round of that fight. So uh, this is one where Christian Leroy Duncan, I like being underweight to him because of the amount of ownership that's going to him. And then as far as Ribeiro... I'm not really getting to a ton of him, but I do have more of him than I do of Christian Leroy Duncan. So 26%. Ribeiro, if he wins as an underdog, he's probably going to be in an optimal lineup because that win is likely to come by a finish. I think that's his win condition. So I'm going to pick Christian Leroy Duncan to win. I'm going to pick him to win by a third round finish. But my preferred DraftKings play is going to be Ribeiro, once again, because of the price point. And then if he wins, he's somebody who should be in an optimal lineup based on his finishing equity. Ludovic Klein against AJ Cunningham. Klein's actually my favorite payup option on the entire slate. If you guys have noticed my current exposures in here, I do have Klein in 60% of my lineups. And here's the reason why. It's AJ Cunningham's taking the fight on short notice. He is zero striking defense at all. We saw him fight on the contender series and look at the kind of damage he absorbed. Steven Nguyen, who I'm pretty sure is booked to fight in like a month or something like that. He ends up landing 103 significant strikes and a knockdown with a second-round finish. A.J. Cunningham kept marching forward. Credit to him. He's super tough. He took a ton of shots. He never stopped advancing, but ultimately, he just gave out. He couldn't take any more. And then when it comes to somebody like Ludovic Klein, who's a pretty good overall well-rounded fighter, he is going to have just massive advantages over A.J. Cunningham, especially in the striking and well, really everywhere. I was going to say especially in the striking, wrestling, and grappling department. So, yeah, everywhere. We're going to see big advantages for Ludovic Klein. And even though Klein hasn't been the highest output fighter over the course of his UFC career, which is why I don't think people are going to be targeting him all that much. We only have Klein projected for 15.9% ownership. Because of the aggressiveness of Cunningham and his total lack of striking defense, I think he could just force a big score out of Ludovic Klein. And if we look at all these fighters who are expected to be popular on the high end, where it's fighters like... You know, Christian Leroy Duncan, 38.5% projected ownership. Mohamed Akaya, 43%. Umar Namagomedov, 32%. 
I think there's comparable upside in Ludovic Klein. If you just look at our projections, we've Klein at 92 fantasy points, Umar at 94, and then all these other guys a little bit below. I know Klein's also really expensive this week. But give me the guy who's the lowest owned, who I view as having comparable upside. Maybe he doesn't reach his upside as frequently as an Umar Namagomedov or Mohamed Makayev. I think that they have safer floors if we we're just talking about cash games. But we're talking about tournaments here. And give me a fighter who has massive upside that also has relatively modest ownership at 15.9% projected right now. So Ludovic Klein, I really like rostering him to differentiate some lineups. Final fight to talk about on the slate. We've got uh, Abdul Karim Al-Sawadi taking on Loic Radzabov. And I do have a bet on this fight. This is uh, one of the only fights that, or I should say the only fight that I have a bet on right now. I did bet this fight to finish inside the distance at plus money. The best available line at the time that I am recording this, it is plus one. Oh, there was a plus 110 out there. That's been bet away, but it is still plus 100 at DraftKings. It's also plus 100 at Bovada. Uh, so that's a bet that is uh, definitely still live. And I, I, well, I should say that the, the best available line is still there that at plus money. Anything plus money, I'd be willing to bet this fight to finish inside the distance. The reason being is Abdul Karim Al-Sawadi has three losses in his career, and all of them have come by finish. He's been knocked out. Uh, three times in his career. And it's been a while since he's been knocked out. The last one came in 2019, but I still do question his durability. And on the Radzibov side, I question his cardio. In his last fight against uh, Matush Rebecca, he was just overwhelmed in that fight. On the And then his uh, UFC debut against Esteban Rebovitz, we did see Radzibov landed 11 takedowns in that fight, but he was just totally gassed in the third round and the later stages of the second round as well. So if you look at the stats from that fight, per round. By the end of the fight, you'll see that uh, Rebovich outlanded Rodzbov 27 to 19 in the final round. In the second round, Rebovich outlanded him 25 to 13, also landed a uh, knockdown in that in that round. And Rodzbov just looked fairly tired after the end of that first round. So it's something that's a, a really big concern for me here against Abdul Karim Al-Sawadi, who's a pretty good overall well-rounded fighter, as is Rodzbov in his own right. But if Rodzbov isn't able to get an early finish in this spot, then you just have to question him falling apart and getting finished. So uh, on the Abdul on the Abdul Karim Al-Sawadi side, I question his durability. On the Rodzibov side, I question his cardio, which is a fight that I think sets up pretty well for potential finish. So it's one that I have a lot of interest in for DraftKings purposes. I currently have 38% of Abdul Karim Al-Sawadi. And then on the other side of the fight, on Rodzibov, I have 28.7%. And uh, I could definitely see myself, as I'm finalizing my lineup tomorrow, getting myself a little bit more exposure to both of these guys, just because I do think it's live for the finish. And on top of that, it's another one of these mid-range fights where we just don't have very many of them to target this week. So that is going to do it for me. If you have any questions, let me know below in the comment section or at me in the Discord channel. One of the perks of being a stochastic sub is you do get access to our Discord, and I'm pretty active in there answering people's questions or just sweating games, sweating fights, whatever it may be, and just hanging out. So if you want to sign up and get access to that, use the link that we have below. Sign up for our MMA package. Guys, thank you very much for watching. If you like the video, like the video, subscribe. Peace out, and good luck this weekend.